Internet. Ready? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 26-7 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We pick a topic or some kind of topic, something or other like that. And we pick some music and we listen to some music. We talk about the music. We talk about the games. We talk about each other and we talk about you. That's right. The answer is you. <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, it's been it's been a while. We you know week. You know our snowstorm that was both a lot and also really not all that much. Very over exaggerated, mm-hmm. but it was just annoying enough. As the yeah, problem, just enough. Yeah, there was there was a full day. I was like, you know, I'm not driving at all. It was it was a mess, and mm-hmm. I'm I was happy for it. I was happy for that. Um, I was, but, top it, top of the show. I want to just mention a couple things. Um, February twentieth which is a Saturday, which is next Saturday. Um, it is my birthday that week. And so I'm doing a charity stream on Twitch from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, I'm playing nothing but DDR, ITG. I'm playing dance games for four hours. He's playing DDR and DDR-like products. I'm raising money for Project Hope, which um, which provides um, like pr- protective care, um, like protective care, like masks and um, items, as, lo- as well as training for healthcare workers during the COVID pandemic. D- d- pandemic, and for all donations, I'm matching for the Delaware Center for Justice, um, which provides support for the victims of crime, um, for uh, children, and for people just coming out of the prison system. So they're doing really good work um, in Delaware and in the city. So mm-hmm. I'll be doing that. Uh, on the 20th so come in check it out I'll be playing I'll be talking and I'll be taking requests too there's there's a whole little system set up where you can um, look through my song list pared down to probably I was about to ask like how many songs do you have on your song list so at my this machine point? has got like over 4,000 something like that Three, it's got a lot yeah there's a ton there's a ton of music how do you even choose half the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever you're feeling um, so I got all that and then, um, I'll be taking requests. I'll play whatever. And if I meet a certain goal, I'm going to play max 300 for a full hour. And that's what I'm going to do. I feel like the question will become, what will, we, what will happen first? Will you get tired or will you get bored? Oh, I'll be tired. I'll be God, this song is terrible. Because, uh, I, I, at the same time, like I have quit caffeine, so I'm not going to be running on it. I'll be running on just straight, like, uh, nutrition. <laughs> Where you gave up caffeine? Gone. For um, good. Yeah, for it's, I haven't had any. I mean, okay, I have one cup of tea in the morning. A cup of tea. But So I, even when you drink tea, aside from the morning glass, it's decaf. Yeah, decaf all the way. Oh my glavin. I've been doing like, that I since this, last October. It's smart and healthy. It's something that more people should probably do. <laughs> And as I say that, I acknowledge I might drink like four cups of coffee a day at this I point. I was bad. I was drinking so much and it was affecting my body and affecting my sleep. And so I thought, you know what? Well, I'll just change it. See how it goes. And that's made a big difference. Um, it's been hard figuring out how to live without it. <laughs> you know? Like you get oh, yeah. used to like, um, like I feel like I, I, I wasn't, like if, if I needed to more energy, I should be eating. But instead I was drinking more caffeine. So now if I need more energy, I'm just eating more. So I feel like that's been helping my body just recover all over. 
Um, anyway, that, that I'm doing a live stream. It's for charity. It's happening on the 20th. It's just me playing games in my basement because it's because it's a pandemic and so it can only be me. So check it out. I'll be there doing that. And um, what other things going on? Go to our uh, website, rhythmandpixels.com. We have uh, t-shirts for sale still. We still have some cool uh, shirts available with the initial P logo. Um, I still I have, love that thing. I, I have, have one of those. Yeah, I'm so glad you bought that. And the uh, the House of the Dead shirts, um, which are like the Rhythm and Pixels, but in the House of the Dead logo. So they're still available, so Did, check that out. I think literally the only thing that makes me sad about that shirt is that it's called Suffer Like P. Did, and every time I go to look at it, I'm like, it should say Suffer Like P. Did on the back. <laughs> I, know, <she> <laughs> Just, I was thinking about adding that, but like, I, I feel like that that it's really specific. Like You have to know that game intimately to know that line, you know? Uh, oh, yeah, but that would be the point of buying the shirt. Like, you already know... Well, if you're already a fan of Rhythm and Pixels and you're buying it for that, but for all the shirts you would purchase, you would purchase that one likely because you already have the affinity for House of the Dead. So having that added line on there is just icing on the cake. Yeah, that's it true. I did make a shirt for Lobster Racing, which is a game that doesn't exist. <laughs> you gotta have an intimate relationship <laughs> with lobster racing in order to want to wear this shirt. Yeah. All right. So guess what, Pernell? Okay. Our our topic. We talked about this. And I thought it was a good idea to do this one again. Is we called it the video game love story for for Valentine's Day. We did this yes. in 2017. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. That was ago. a while ago. That was a while. And ago. then this time, it was a similar idea, but it just. I don't know what it was like. It just my brain was kind of trickling around the idea of like, well, it's Valentine's Day, and you know what that means? You know, love is in the air, and butterflies are flopping around with snow-covered <laughs> wings. You know the deal. And we have our resident friend and buddy Rob here, yeah. married for over I want to say over twenty years now. No, no, over twenty because like, almost twenty years. No, no, and sixteen. 16 years 16 solid marriage yeah. you know love all up in it so he's the man he's the love guy for now for the folks who don't know about the love stuff i got you back because i don't know nothing about that love stuff but what i do know is malice and rocking tunes so <laughs> rob brings the love and i bring the malice and we have love and malice it's an institute that makes us <laughs> human like, ask where are you the local going with that? uh, gent that's funny um yeah the so, funny part is like it didn't even click until yeah. i like i was just saying it one day like the topic is love and malice like wait a minute the song it goes so well <laughs> yeah it's two sides <laughs> so. of the coin here is what we're doing so pronounce playing music for the for the lonely hearts and i'm playing music um to turn the lights down to that's right um, yeah for whoever whoever that might be um so yeah I, i've got some really good tunes i'm really excited about what i found and my bonus round came from a listener a patreon member actually so really yeah it was it came through at the same time as our last patreon episode but it did not fit the topic it was just a nice email that that he sent so uh, i won't be reading the testimonial. it was a nice long email so uh but thank you very much to frankly zappa i'll be playing that later and um, is there anything else going on? I, I saw, um, okay, our listener, The Last Recon, he's doing a podcast that's like a VGM fight club. And he's got different podcasters and they're they're playing music to fight each other or something. And I stopped paying attention to it. 
And I look is it back. still going? The, yeah. I was waiting for it to start with it so we can throw our Drax in there. All it's, I don't know. I just got a, a notification in Discord that said Rob Nichols and, and the messenger has been eliminated. And I said, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> did you ever submit your tune? I'm sure I did at some point, maybe. Or maybe I let Alex do it. I, I don't know. And th- so, anyway, so I said, oh, yeah, we, we might be eliminated, but the soul still burns. He said, Good oh, call. no, silly. It's not, Purnell's in a different, um, a different category. And I said, I said, we, me and Alex. So when I say we, everyone just assumes I'm saying me and Purnell. <laughs> hey, if that if it goes to show you that we've cultivated quite the concept on this show. Yeah. It's like those two rocket and like, you damn right. We do Let's so get I, them wins on. So I think what's, what, what, what's really good about this show is that even though we're towing like uh, the sad music to the romance music, ultimately this show is all about the bromance, right? That's right. Yeah. That is right. We're and get, good vibes, honestly. Yeah, too. we're going to get this bromantic. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Pernell has no idea what he signed up for today. I don't. But at the same time, even if I didn't sign up for it, or even if I don't understand it, I know that my tracks will totally balance it out. <laughs> so it's okay. okay with me. Well, we're starting with that. We're starting with that. So we're going to start with the malice, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, a lot of my tracks are even going to come from games I've been playing recently because the tracks are just good fits for it. Just, That's cool. Like, I'm yes, excited about that because that. I feel like I get to learn more about new titles and mm-hmm. and you already and you and you know a lot more about the context within the game so that that's always exciting to me okay in that case thing you're going to dig them this first track comes from a game i've been playing and also a game that was too strong check was using me my gym session today it was allowed to be played during the gym so i was putting out those calories to the sounds of ease nine monstrum Knox. it released on the ps4 this week or last week at the time this episode releases, and it'll be on the Switch this summer. Um, the track title is called Feel Force. I thought the name was pretty hilarious for this episode, especially given that it's definitely my concept. Yeah. And it's composed by the Falcom Sound Team. So let's give it a listen and rock some faces.
Welcome back. You're rocking out to Feel Force from the game Ease 9 Monstrum Knox, composed by the Falcom Sound Team. I almost went with a track called Welcome to Chaos because I honestly think it would have been more fitting for the theme, and yet I couldn't because this track is just so good. This is good. I I, I love that. Even at the second half, when it goes when the drums go halftime, oh, that is so cool. Like you want something disturbing though? Hmm. If you go on the internet and start looking around about like you know people's like the takes on the um, for the OST of this game, people are ragging on it. They're acting like they're claiming that this is like a low point for the Falcom sound team. And I'm sitting there thinking, are my ears broken? Is there something wrong with me? I asked Chris Bays, but I was like, dude, could you please listen to a track or two from the soundtrack and tell me I'm not crazy? Because people are saying it's bad, but I hear greatness. I don't understand people. Rocks. I mean, I'm sure he was into it. I mean, this sounds like this sounds right up his alley. Oh yeah! Like, and the cool thing about this game is that they actually incorporated multiple boss themes this time. Like, you know, we have enough. We added more bosses. There's two bosses per dungeon now instead oh, wow. of one because they know what people like. Um, in addition to that, you also have the Monstrum Knox battles, which are essentially tower defense brawls. So they have rock and beats for those sessions too. Oh, wow. And everything is just, this is chaotic. It's so chaotic, but I am a fan. I've been playing it like crazy. It's action-packed as the Dickens. The one thing I find funny about it is that they added, the new gimmick for the game is that he gets cursed and becomes what's called a monstrum. So he gets kind of like a monster-esque form and he's referred to as the Crimson King. Hmm. So now he has these special powers he can do something called the Crimson Line, where he like dashes between two points like a light warp. And of course, every time he makes a new monster and friend, he gets a new ability that they used to have, like running up walls and flying. Oh, cool. Very unlike Adol. But here's the funny thing. If you've played any Ease game since like 7, when they started giving them all their moves that are associated with the face buttons, Adol's always had crazy attacks where he's like dropping light beams and <laughs> doing crazy sword slashes. So the idea of like, now he's a monster, he has a monstrous form which gives him monstrous powers, like, he's always been able to do that. Like, he's always been able to do like crazy light beam slashes and like shockwaves with his sword. This is not new! <laughs> it's just more Adol love. I don't get it. How old but is Adol at this point? I mean, it's been Adol, A-D-O-L, right? For, like, mm-hmm. since the beginning. Since since E1 yeah. back on the PC-98 or 88. So, like, why... Here's, he's got to be he's gotta be getting up there in years, right? Okay, here's what annoys me about this, now admittedly. So, hmm. the E-series is, is basically the chronicles of Adol's life. Every game in the E's franchise is another adventure in his his journal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, his adventures span all kinds of situations. He's on a, he, he leaves a country, gets on a boat, travels across the continent, gets shipwrecked, has to deal with everything there, then he leaves, goes on other stuff, and he goes on another adventure, blah, blah, blah. It's like a series of events, right? Yeah. The first game, E's one, he's supposed to be like 16 years old. He's had nine. This is his ninth adventure. <laughs> yeah, his ninth, and I know it is because a timeline exists, and the game directly references all the stuff he's been doing. Like they legitimately make fun of the fact that he always gets shipwrecked. He has he has a horrible he has a horrible case of getting shipwrecked. But do they mention he has a habit of finding age. ancient? Yeah. Huh? But do they mention? I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm oh, getting okay. to it. I'm getting to it. So like they also make a mention of the fact that he seems to always find these ancient 
super weapons and artifacts and then loses them between adventures. Where do they go? What happens? Does he fence them? Who knows? But despite all this stuff and all these things that happens to him, he's only 24 years old in this game. So he's had nine groundbreaking adventures between 16 and 24. And yet he's supposed to have been writing this guide until he was like 56. So, what are they doing over at Falcom? He should have been in his 40s or something in this game. But, no, apparently they got, they're stuck on that syndrome that a lot of Japanese developers have where you can be like a 16-year-old war general that's decorated <laughs> or... Yeah. I don't know, you're like you're like a 19 year old with like five kids in like a thriving business. Like, I don't understand any yeah, of that yeah, stuff like that they, they do there. Old, like warriors and they're like, okay, we have to go see the Admiral so we can plan our attack against the demons. And it's like this 12 year old girl. She's like, hi. Hi, I'm decorated. I've been, I've fought in so many wars. <laughs> like, did you this go to my... military school? Nah. <laughs> I just found a cursed artifact. me. <laughs> it makes no friggin' uh, sense. It's, it. it's, it's pretty much comical. So, oh, and one last thing about the game I thought was mentioned. So, you already heard we talk, we're talking about he's only 24. Like, I think about this stuff a lot, trust me. But the thing that really hit me while playing Ease 9 that just made me go, I'm getting too old for this mess, is so there's a dungeon you get. It's like you're in the town. Most of the game takes place in a city, right? So, you know, this different districts. One point you're in a slum, and there's a doorway that's supposed to lead to a dungeon called the Cloaca, Cloaca Maximum. Don't Google that. Um, and when you go inside, the entrance is a huge room that veers to the right and then goes very much upwards. It's a very vertical dungeon. Okay. However, when you enter on the outside when you're walking in, you're in a street. So it's like a building and a small building to the right of it. And then there's a street. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, this is a physically impossible structure to have in here. Maybe he went downward or something. Maybe he entered the door, but there's a staircase and you don't see that. And he ends up at the bottom or whatever. But no, if you go into the dungeon and then turn around, it's the exit's white, which implies there's sunlight coming from out there, which means that is the exit. So... Somebody, my brain was like, what is happening? Why is this dungeon not physically possible to be in this structure? It doesn't make sense. And then I was like, you know, I'm getting old. So I'm sure I'm the only person who's thinking about this. I'm the only one. Yeah, and someone's yet, just looking for the entrances and exits. And like the rest of it's just set dressing, you know? And you're like, no, that's the street. Why is there light coming from here? This dungeon should be actually mirrored. It should be going to the left, not the right. And then I can believe it. And then it should have gone downwards enough so that the elevation can make sense. Yeah, you're like... I need to talk to Falcom. You're going to be their, their architecture like uh, expert for the who's going to be like consulting on their next game. Like, look, you guys <laughs> got to get this right. You know, if you got a hallway to the left, they're coming from the right. If you're going to have a massive battle against a dragon warlord in this zone, you need a load-bearing pillar right beneath it. Yeah. Because if you don't, Technically, the battle of the floor would collapse with all the damage he's doing to it. It doesn't make logical sense, okay. guys. And if the ceiling comes down on Adol, it's it's not my responsibility. <laughs> right, now, we're insured. Now, in this next game, we're going to be talking about the adventures of a whole other hero entirely. Right? Oh. Um, and this is a hero from our time. Apparently, he's a little bit older now. But his really? name is Jack Nicholas, and he is a professional golfer. <laughs> Jack Nicholas Quest. Um, I've actually picked a, uh, a track from the Turbo Graphics CD version of this game, Jack Nicholas's 
Turbo Golf. Uh, I don't know why it's Turbo Golf, but that's what they decided to name it in Japan. Yeah, turbo Graphics. Yeah. Oh, like how everything's golf. super. Everything's super. It's Turbo. I was like, why do they call it Turbo Golf? He's just golfing a ball. <laughs> the ball flies very fast. He's just golfing a ball. Um, but no, he's he's a hero, and I gotta tell you, this is some sweet, sexy music, um, which also kind of fits in a little bit of the uh, the sitcommy kind of sound. So I'm channeling a little bit of hammock in this this song. Uh, this is background music two, and okay. the composer is Paul Webb from Jack Nicholas's Turbo Golf for the Turbo Graphics CD. Sorry, go, go, go. Uh, yeah, I know. I love it when tracks end like that. That is background music, too, from the game Jack Nicholas's Turbo Golf for the Turbo Graphics CD, composed by Paul Webb. Oh, my God. That was legit. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> like a freeze image of like everybody smiling in, like, in front of their house. I am Big all house. about this, this mood that this track has. This feels like driving to the beach in a convertible with a top down and you're not there yet you're just you're on your way and it's the morning and you have the whole day ahead of you and it just feels so good it feels so good has the sun already risen or is it rising 
Uh, it's it just rose. It's like right. you're getting out there, and it's like seven in the morning, six in the morning, and it just it feels this music feels so good. It's so cheesy. I gotta say, the more I listen to Hammocks, so KVGM, the more like I'm into this type of music. And when I hear, I get put on hold for like vendors and stuff at my job, and I listen to the hold music, and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm into this. <laughs> Damn, there's a there's a positive vibe that comes yeah. out of that kind of thing. Like, there's a reason why most sitcoms have that vibe. And though Hammocks show isn't themed around sitcoms. I would be haphazard to guess that a lot of the tracks he plays feel like they could double as sitcom themes oh, just yeah. because of that style of music is what they use for most sitcoms. Totally. This- Back in the day. And I actually pictured, I actually had the funny vibe in my head of like the the intro of me like working in the kitchen, like stirring up some soup and I start pouring some whiskey into the pot and I look over like, oh! Like I get caught doing it. Like, oh, Why are you pouring whiskey in his soup? I don't know, but I got caught doing it. I don't know what I was thinking, but I got busted, and that was bad. You always like that about sitcoms. They would always have the guy doing something they shouldn't be doing, or something they don't know someone sees them doing, and then they get they, they notice the cameras like, oh, <laughs> they just make yeah. the face. There's Walking a, um, around. There's a. Uh, a comedy special on Netflix for John Mulaney called New in Town and it's mm-hmm. it's it wrote like a whole theme song like a th- like a sitcom theme song and, it, and it's, it's mainly him just like in different outfits like in a sitcom like turning around going what? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing man I, see now I gotta watch it just for that because that is a pri- that is a major staple to sitcom openings is someone doing something noticing the camera going oh it's them Hi. <laughs> it's and like then, of great. course, the uh, the the ultimate and inevitable conclusion to that is the too many cooks, um, uh, oh, that... Adult Swim after hours, like weird fever dream. That was immaculate. Oh, it holds up too. It really does. I haven't watched it so long. I remember um, they did one after that that was a an ad for uh, a drug. It was like um, mm-hmm. it was like such and such may cause sleepiness. Such and such may cause suicidal thoughts, and it just went on for like ten minutes. And as it was going on, there was like this whole like crazy like David Lynch style murder mystery going on. Oh, it was bizarre. Yeah, the lady was like trapped in like a weird neighborhood where no one lived in it anymore. She's yeah. like, where is everybody? Oh, it was so weird. I want to watch that again. I think I watched that when I was sick and I was like on the cold medicine or something. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it was such an ingenious concept. They were, for those who don't know... These videos would be air on Adult Swim at like three or four in the morning. So yeah. the idea was that back in the day when people watched television, um, usually TV channels would run out of content at a certain hour. So they would either run reruns of stuff or they would just run like these weird syndicated shows that came from another provider after their main programming wore off. A lot of times that would be like sitcoms or like infomercials and the like. So they made these videos to spoof that to get people to be like, most most specifically people who were doing you know like drugs. Like yeah, who's, who's watching? Acid. Who's watching Cartoon Network at four in the morning? We know who. Yep. And the idea was that they'd be doing these things, and then the video would come up, and they're like, "Oh, it's just some TV show." And then all the weird stuff would start happening, and they'd be like, "What the heck's going? On? What is this?" It just yeah. and it, it was actually on record that's what they were intending to do is to mess with people. Yeah, they wanted people that to like, really like freak out, like like they want people like, "Oh, this is interesting. I've never seen this show before." And then like slowly, something doesn't seem right. <laughs> 
and just peel off the layers like this is weird man well uh well this this track anyway let's not talk about that anymore because this track always feels right i am that's right i'm into it i'm into this mood so pernell what's on the other side of this coin what's up what's what's happening on the uh the other side of the moon here the dark side of the moon the dark side of the moon there's a vengeful struggle taking place between two individuals who are both connected to one woman that they both have affection for or more specifically one has affection for the other one is just really cool with her but the other guy's still really jealous and for some reason wants to kill him because why not it's a video game i am so lost. what are we talking about it, <laughs> that's the joy of it right it doesn't make sense which is why it's a great narrative um, this comes from a recently released game called Cyber Shadow, and oh, the yeah. track title is called Subject Alpha 2.0, and it's composed by Enrique Martin. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to listen to some of the soundtrack for a while, because I've been watching the game in development, and it looks really mm. neat. Apparently it was all done by one guy. Yeah, I believe it, yeah. listening to Subject Alpha 2.0 from the game Cyber Shadow, composed by Enrique Martin. Uh, this is a track that, when played in the game, I legitimately paused the game to let it play out, because I just liked hearing it that much. It's a really cool tune that plays during a boss. That isn't really hard, per se, but at that stage in the game, he definitely came out of left field. Like, Whoa, this is the first kind of guy to show up like this in the game. <laughs> um, but ultimately... It's a it's a fantastic battle, and I, I feel remiss in saying that I don't 100% have a grasp on what the full narrative is because I'm getting that way with a lot of my games too. Where it's like they try to get these like convoluted subplots. I'm like mm-hmm. I don't care about that. I just want to beat dudes up with my sword. Yeah, but the, uh, the gameplay is good, right? Yeah, it's good yeah. gameplay though. I think it's funny that uh, I wanted this to be more like Ninja Gaiden. And I also knew that people were saying that it was kind of meant to be more like, you know, more like Shadow of the Ninja, which is a game that Natsume put out. I used to rent it back in the oh. day. But like, uh, okay. but I ultimately still wanted some Ninja Gaiden vibes, most particularly with that faster pacing of yeah. like, you know, enemies coming from left and right. You had to be ref- had the reflexes. And 
people were like were all up on me about it in multiple places where Bob were just like, man, I wish this was a little bit more like Ninja Gaiden. And people were like, well, technically it's not meant to be. I'm like, I didn't say it was meant to be. I'm saying I wish it was more like it. I'm not, I'm not saying otherwise. You right, know? right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you have that other one um, with uh, the Messenger, right? The Messenger's a little bit more Ninja Gaiden-y. Oh, yeah. I, I love the Messenger. I keep telling myself I need to go back to that at some point and do the second half of the game. But at the time, I was like, ah, I don't really feel compelled to do it this way. Like, I like the idea of going from zone to zone and, like, just, like, running through it like Ninja Gaiden. And then once it opened up, I'm like, well, I don't feel it anymore. <laughs> I lost the magic. Um, but with that said, Messenger is a good game. Like, that's one thing I will say for a fact. When people discuss it, I've heard people say the game is really dumb. I don't like it. They've ruined it. My logic is like, no, it's still good. Even if I never finish it. The first half of the game gave me enough fun content that I got my fill. Like, I felt like it was worth the money just for that section of the game. Mm. Even if I don't play the second half. Yeah, no, so, definitely. It's, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of content. And not just there's a lot of content. It's a lot of really good game along the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's just how far do you want to go? good humor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, very good humor. I only got so far because um, of a boss that I just got really stuck on. I mean, I got really stuck on it. And Do you I, remember what it was at yeah, all? Yeah, it was a dragon flying through the clouds. Oh, yeah, that was right. That sounds like the right when you do the whole... Because there's a part, like, right when they do the switch over to the 16-bit era. Mm-hmm. And I believe the dragon was the first encounter once you did that. Because you're, like, running from him, right? Yeah, it's like the first or second encounter. The, He's a jerk. It's tough. And, and I realized at that point that I just didn't have, like, the, dex- the thumb dexterity to do the, the combinations that you had to do to stay in the air without falling to fight the boss is very challenging. I mean, cool, nonetheless. Very cool. An amazing soundtrack, but um, I don't know. So this one, when did this game come out? Pretty recently, right? Cyber Shadow, if I'm not mistaken, came out this week, too. That's awesome. Well, last week at the time of this release of the episode, because one thing that's been coming rather funny lately, too, is like if I end up reviewing a game, sometimes, you know, I'll end up playing it before, you know, like it comes out. And then if the game comes out, then I'm like, okay, I can talk about it now because it's out. And I'll make a comment like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm on, like, Zone 4. And people were like, what? What the hell are you talking about? I was like, I'm on, I'm on Zone 4. I'm just telling you I got the Zone 4. Don't question it. Just ride the wave, man. You know, it's a good game. If I need yeah. a Persona break, I might I might jump on this one. Because I've been excited about this one. I really love the style of it. It's got a very cool, like, 8-bit, kind of fake... I'm going to call it fake-bit style. Because it's not 8-bit. It's much... It's much in- much more depth of color but it's still still definitely really good pixel art of course now my concern is that you'll take so your cool. break and then the break will never end you'll just never get to the end of the game i i, I I'm, I'm like 40 some hours into persona 5 i need to keep keep going yes you do and going. if you ever need someone to critique your personas well yeah, i'll need your i will need your help from time to time uh maybe sooner than later because i'm getting kind of stuck but um, all right, here we go. Flat here we out, go. the fact you told me you don't have any light like blocking personas or dark blocking personas. That well, you should have a dark blocker. Because yeah, no, I've got him. Guy yeah, does. Was, that guy was a weird looking, um, like like it's a it's a sphere of faces. It's terrifying, and I was like, oh, he's oh, that guy head. sucks. It's like my Legion. Yeah, Legion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really needed him. He, he's helped me out a few times, um, <laughs> but ultimately, it's the the origami guy. I love the origami guy. Um, he'll he'll be with you to the end of the game. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> All right, so okay, for now, why don't we talk about something else? Let's talk about the Nintendo DS. 
One of my favorite systems. You want to talk about love for a console? Love between a man and a console? <laughs> me and a Nintendo DS? Yeah, you Holy cow. Yeah, you don't get between Purnell and his handheld Nintendo systems. That is correct. Mm. Um, so this game actually came out in the States. Didn't think it would. But it was one of the earlier titles for the Nintendo DS. It was called Feel the Magic. Oh, I remember that. Rub Rabbits. Yeah, it was a <laughs> Rub Rabbits. It was called Project Ruby when they were developing it, and then they called it Feel the Ruby, or like the Rubby, because it was all about rubbing the the, the, the touchscreen and doing different like games mm-hmm. by rubbing the touchscreen. But it was a really silly love story, but it was marketed, it looked like a dating sim. Um, so this is Feel the Magic, and the track is called Love Scene. Um, I don't have the uh, individual composer, but on the on the track we have Naofumi Hitaya, Tomoko Sasaki, and Mariko Namba, um, the Sega Sound Team. So here we go, or members of the Sega Sound Team. So here we go. This is Feel the Magic, Love Scene. <laughs> some that is something else that is uh, the love scene from feel the not the love scene but it's called love scene from feel the magic for the nintendo ds nayafumi hitaya tomoko sasaki and mariko namba is uh, i believe it's a sega produced title for the nintendo Need DS. i loved it man it's so different it's just i feel like they were just just doing doing anything you know so i read a little bit about <laughs> the uh, the development of this game and and they came up with a whole bunch of really silly mini games using the stylus and using the touchscreen on the DS because I don't know it was just a new it's a new way to play. It was the gimmick at the time. It was the gimmick, yeah. You know, it's like let's let's have games that use this screen in different ways. And so they developed a whole bunch of silly mini games that eventually the um, the producer said, you know what, these we can make like a really silly story, like a love story out of this whole thing, but like a, like a romantic comedy. And so they put all of the mini games into kind of a big, one big game, and it's feel the magic, and it's just you wouldn't know what it is looking at the box, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it doesn't give anything away, but people love it. People, I've never got a chance to play this one, but people say it's it's really funny, it's really fun to play, and it's just silly. You know, I like it's, that. It's one of those games where I feel like it didn't take off at the time, but. I think people probably appreciate it more after the fact because yeah. when it came out, it didn't. People liked the title, like it was a funny title. I was like, what the heck is this? Feel the magic XXXY. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, so of course, a lot of people were just like not sure what they felt about it. They wanted to get it or not. But I think I had one friend in particular who thought it was a great game, 
uh, though I will say the other element that made it weird is that at the beginning of the system, everybody was trying to do the mini game shuffle. Like, how many can we do with the touchscreen? How do we incorporate them all into one game? Mini games, yeah, <laughs> mini yeah. game events. There's so, a whole bunch of little like things you have to do with a stylus to do other things. Um, but yeah, and, and also because this was so early in the DS's like life, you know, I feel like you know it's just so Japanese, you know, it just. Just so many weird things happening all at once, and I don't know if the, if the if if the public was really open to that just yet. Yeah, but well, it eventually came around. I think, though, I'll also say that, and later as the, the console's life went on, the games did less with random touchscreen antics, and they got more focused. Whether they didn't use touchscreen stuff at all. Or if they were very specific about what they were doing, like okay, for this game you need to touch screen specifically for this one spot to spin a wheel, and that's the gas, the thing. Yeah. You know. Well, I'll, and I was okay with. That. I think ultimately what was cool about the system was, of course, the the dual screen, the DS dual screen, uh, not oh, so yeah. much the touch screen, which was cool for some games, especially puzzle games like uh, Panel to Pawn, stuff and uh, Medios and, and things like that. But having two screens really, I feel, you know, opened up new avenues of gameplay and i concur yeah and, and it's really changed things because yeah. even now like the switch? switch is the the switch is the big boy on the market now and to this day people think i'm crazy when i say i i love my switch but i still prefer the ds i'm like what are you talking about the switch is so good i'm like yeah but i liked having the two screens yeah. like if this system they released a switch that had two screens mm-hmm. I'd be ecstatic. Of course, they couldn't because then that would make it unable to the whole dock and TV projection thing. But I got a lot of use out of the dual screen mechanic on the DS and 3DS. And there were a number of games that did a great job of utilizing both screens. There's so a, I miss it. There's a phone that was in development. I'm not sure if it's for, by a Microsoft. It's like a Windows phone or something. But it actually is a, it's a clamshell design where it opens up and you can kind of look at it like a book or you can hold it like a DS and you have two screens that like kind of interlock with each other, and I forget what it's called. It's like like Windows something. A lot of their the new the new operating systems are incorporating the technology, so they can just use Windows on the phone. Um, but as soon as I saw that, and I saw a picture of like a business guy holding it up, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be Pernell's new phone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Don't funny. tip me. My contract is up as of well. Two days after the two days before this episode releases, so they're going to be trying to sell me a brand new cell phone, and I'm fighting the urge. But uh oh, <laughs> this might be the gimmick that sets me afire. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to come out, but uh, it's called the Flip. No, I want to say it's called the Switch, but it's not the Switch because that's Nintendo. Um, Nintendo would be on them like hounds. But for now, it's not even a game console, Nintendo. We don't care. We're on it. I just think it was great. But like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's a DS. Pronounce one. Pronounce one with that. <laughs> uh, me wanty. There's a cell phone actually. Another one that came out that um, Samsung did. I want to say, mm-hmm. where it's a almost like a almost like a makeup pack. How it works. How it snaps shut. Mm-hmm. But then when you want to open the phone, you kind of part it like a book. Yeah. And it's two screens on a screen on both sides of the phone that meets in the middle. Yeah. Everyone's trying that. Like they're, they're they they figure out a way to make some of these uh, screens to be flexible enough to fold. And so everyone's trying different form factors to, to make it work. 
but I'm concerned is durability. It's definitely going to be durability, but then also like, what else are you going to use all that for? You know, what's the point? Well, you know how it is right now with cell phones. No one uses them to actually talk. <laughs> well, yeah, but even like with they're the just app. smart devices. So I think the idea of having like two identical screens of the same um, ratio. It's almost like having like a dual screen computer. It's like I can have like YouTube on one screen and my email on the other screen. Um, or just one big probably, screen. Yeah. On the what big screen? It's, the, it's basically like saying I have a mini tablet yeah. that folds shut. Yeah, essentially. A fold, fold a tablet that folds up. And, and like a DS, it won't protect the screen for crap. So you better get a case anyway. And like a DS, you have to buy a pair of cargo pants to put them in your pockets. That's right. Um, except for the, the DS Lite. The DS Lite was awesome. The DS Lite is like the coolest. Unless you had ginormous hands, in uh, which case it was great to carry around. But then when you played, you're like, man, I can only play an hour at a time and my hands get crampy. Yeah. But jokes aside, I did love the DS Lite. That, that thing was fantastic. I just wished my hands were smaller. That was a situation where I wanted my hands to meet the setup of the product, not the other way around. <laughs> Why yeah. can't my hands be tiny? You need like um like 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 controllers like fold out the sides like a train like yeah. slide them out. Yes, that's how it should be. Push a button and they just drop down it's like mega controller and you like push the thing, shrink them back together, oh, and carry it around. They did that. They did that with the original Game Boy. You can like snap on like bigger buttons and like a huge magnifying glass and stuff. Oh, I had that. It had speakers on it too. Yeah, you probably needed that for your for your giant thumbs. That's right. I put that to use. <laughs> I had the I had the I had the freaking Voltron Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it put, it, it, did it have like its own battery system, or did it like plug into the? Uh... It had its own battery. It was a it was a speaker, uh, larger buttons, mm-hmm. magnifying lens, internal light. Wow. And like bigger grips. And it was like one other thing that I feel like I'm forgetting, but it was just and it connected a to lot. like the original, like the original, like the DMG one or whatever you, it's called. You snapped them all to the original Game Boy model. It was just built on like snap here and snap here and snap there, and eventually you were utilizing ports like the link cable port to play just to link up to this stuff. It wasn't even being used for its intended yeah. purpose I, anymore. The only thing I ever had was one that like was like a light that clipped on the front. And it kind of worked because once it got too dark, you really couldn't use it anyway. Was it the Nyko light that kind of had like the uh, like the bendy neck? No, no, like- no, no. It like it was like a square, and it, it, it slid across the front. I can remember trying to like force it across the device because it had like these little ridges on it, and you can kind of slide it onto it. Oh, like ruffles. Yeah, but I do remember the little bendy. Ridges. Yeah, it was like it was like a reading light. It was like a like a book light. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That was Nyko did that. That's the one I had anyway. But I'm sure there was a couple other companies like, wait, that's successful. We got to do it too. But because it was always that was the one that people bought, and then the other one was the magnifying lens that pulled out, and they had the light inside the magnifying lens. Yeah, yeah. I we talked about the Game Boys enough. <laughs> you can never talk about Game Boy enough. It's so it's cool. what we love. Um, all right, so pronounce we're on to your third track. All right, so my last and um, track for the base area of the show. It's a track from a game you should not Google. Um, this is called Moero Chronicle, and the track title is called Show Me Your Gimmick. And I cannot remember... Honestly, wait, I can tell you who composed it, or at least some of the people, because there's a lot of folks. Mari C. Sakapi, Sintaro Jimbo, Yo Oyama, Juntu, and Ryoji Toyota.
Welcome back. You're listening to Show Me Your Gimmick from the game Moero Chronicle. And composed by a list of names, including Mari C, Saka P, Sintaro Jimbo, Yo Oyama, Juntu, and Ryoji Toyota. So, the game concept is stupid. I'm laying on men's words on that. Mm-hmm. But that can't dismiss the fact that the track itself is not only good, but fitting of the topic itself as yeah. well. Yeah, there you go. It's it's very it's very much a game for the Lonely Hearts crowd, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is a this goes beyond that. This is just a game for whatever. I don't know. Like I was telling Rob on the break that when I reviewed this game, the thing that I came like I ended up I ended up giving it a good review, mind you, because it is a solid game from a gameplay perspective. But I was like the best improvement they made to it was they allow you to skip the mini-game that's associated with it. That was a big thing about where I was on the Vita. And I also played another game in the franchise back in the day. I mentioned on the show called uh, Monster Month, which was like a card game, Mm -hmm. which had a similar aspect where they had that same type of mini-game, but they also allowed you to skip the mini-game once you've paid for it. Like, okay, I want to upgrade my character. Here's my point. Here's the cost to do it. Skip the mini-game. Just give me the reward. (laughs) I just want to upgrade my cards. You know? But, like, it's a... It's like I don't understand. Like you can make a quality game, but then overlay with whatever. But the that's neither here nor there. The point is though, the I think the track title, the track itself is pretty legit, and the combat in this game is surprisingly customizable. Like there's a bunch of different cl- every character. There's like 50 characters in the game. And each character, based on what you give them, like sort of clothing or whatnot, they change classes, which gives them new skills. So each character gets about three or four different possible character builds to them. Hmm. Which makes it stupid customizable. It's, I don't know. Like it's, it works. It's just, it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, this would be more accessible to other people if it was just more open. But yeah, at the it, same time, yeah. I let it ride because that's the same argument someone can make where it's like, I played Dark Souls if you just made it easier. And I'm like, well, I, I like Dark Souls. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, maybe, maybe this would be maybe it would find a wider audience if it wasn't just covered in a half-naked, busty anime girls, right? Oh, it probably would. It <laughs> definitely would. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird, too, because, like, the Vita and its prime, that was the big thing about that console. It was... If it had any kind of game, it was dungeon crawlers. That thing was riddled with them. But at the same time, a lot of those dungeon crawlers came from Compile Heart and Idea Factory... And that's what they do. And they pumped out a lot of games like this. That's their shtick. The only one I feel like that's notable of theirs that didn't do this was the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games. Oh, okay. But they weren't even dungeon crawlers. They were, uh, they were like 2D. Well, not 2D. They were 3D actual RPGs. They were fun too. Like, but they got a little ridiculous. Like, are you familiar with Neptunia at all? This sounds familiar, but then when you said it was a 3D RPG style game, I was like, no. I thought it was a shooter. It was the game where uh, the design concept was you live in a, a world called Game Industry and all of the main characters were like goddesses there and they represented game consoles. So you had Greenheart who represented Xbox, you had Neptunia oh. who represented the Sega Saturn, and you had uh, like Blanc who represents Nintendo. And basically, there was a character for every con- every I've major seen, game I, I've company. Seen this. I thought it was just like a meme that like someone put together. Like it wasn't like a thing, but it was actually top net. <laughs> That's funny. It be- I feel like the game started as one thing, and then people took to it. It became a meme. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Well, there you go. <laughs> um, this this track is pretty cool. Like, I'm really enjoying all the music that you're playing. I was expecting maybe stuff a little like this is probably the darkest track you played so far. Oh and, yeah, like and even then, it's like it's it's still pretty rocking. Hi, that's what I was kind of going for. Like, I feel like I could have like if we were like love and sorrow or something, I'd have been like. Here's some here's that track where Celeste almost dies in Final Fantasy VI, which right. is a good track, but it's also really sad. Um, but my thought was with Malice, you get rocking tracks, you get aggressive tracks. So, like love tracks are like like mellow, soothing, you know, seductive. Malice is rocking, hard beats coming at you fast. You know, it's like. That's my wheelhouse. I can work. This. Well, here's a love track for you. Love track, baby. <laughs> love track, Mama Jump. Yeah. I'm going to say it all the oh, time. Oh god, that's oh that band. Oh that that band played at my high school. I don't really. Yeah, I don't know why. They did like a concert for the high school. I the every day. The actual band name for those who were like, what the heck? They're called Love Seed Mama Jump. Love- <laughs> and they were like playing all over the state. So it was four people in that band, and like the '90s, right? And then it was, oh gosh, it was almost 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, Christy and I went to a bar on the riverfront to meet up with a neighbor of ours. And and at the bar was playing The Love Seed. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, so what's, what's Mama Jump doing, huh? <laughs> Mama Jump's just kind of having a drink off the side. Oh, man, that's terrible. I mean, then, then the name is terrible to begin with. All right, so no, this yes. this, no, this game's cool. I've never heard of this game before, but I'm really excited to, to, to learn more about it or check it out afterwards because the music is amazing on it. It's called Critical Velocity on the PlayStation 2. It's a Namco racing game, but like it's mission-based. So it's like a it's like a racing game with a story, essentially. Um, it's composed by NVGI, which is the pseudonym for Junichi Nakatsuru, and the track is called Break Time. So let's take a break and listen to Taking this. Taking it to the break.
And it loops so smooth. That was Break Time from Critical Velocity for the PlayStation 2, composed by Junichi Nakatsuru, credited as NVGI. Oof. Oh, I see you rocking over there for now. You were, you were, oh, I was getting into the sky. You were feeling moved by that track. Mm-hmm. Every track you brought was like that today. I feel like this was an episode of good music. Like it was a, basically a two-themed episode, and there had, there wasn't a dud amongst the roster. Man, because um, I'm afraid someone's going to respond. Like technically, Pernell, that one track was a little on the dour. Like, <laughs> the no, dour. It wasn't dour. It was it wasn't even glower. It was just great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, Namco racing games. I mean, they're all about it. But like this whole soundtrack. I mean, if you got like there's there's super smooth tracks. There's really good rocking tracks. It's a really solid soundtrack for for this for this game on the PlayStation Two. It's really. I'm cool. actually surprised. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, me neither. Like, yeah. I, did it get a U.S. release? You think? Oh, you know what? I don't think it did. I think that's probably why. <laughs> That'll explain it, yeah, because I'm like, I've never heard of this game. And while I admit, the system had a plethora of racing titles, so it's not like you'd have to technically own them all. I feel like I would have at least seen it. So, but I don't know. Now I want to look it up later myself and see what the schlub of is, especially now we have PS2 emulation available. Yeah. Maybe was, I can just, like, see what it's like. It's 2004 in, in Japan only. That, that's why. Um, but it, no. it, lo- it looks really cool. Like, I love games like this, where it's like racing games, but like you've also got to perform missions, and you got to run away from the bad guys, or you got to chase somebody down. Um, so it sounds like you are a big fan of like Test Drive. Off- yeah, yeah, that's what was Test Drive. Yeah, I really, that was a big. I really like this. I never got into the the Grand Theft Auto games just because I didn't have the consoles at the time when they were coming out, except for the first two Grand Theft Auto games. But they weren't, they weren't, they were all top down, like weird. <laughs> they still can be pretty fun. I also want to say maybe my memory's off, but they—I think they even had some side games where you raced people in cars. Like uh, there was like so many side missions that yeah, you do. They that. really leaned into the side missions into the second one, which makes sense because in the in the, the in the future when they moved to 3D, um, it's all about the side missions, right? Um, but it was the second one and like the and Grand Theft Auto. I think it was like a, it was like a UK or British version where it took place in the UK. Yeah, London. Yeah, that was cool. I got really into GTA that. London because the more like, like you think about it, like you're playing it and you're like, oh, it's like a, it's like an open world sandbox. I can just be a jerk, but then the more you get into it, you realize like, oh, I can follow the story that just happens to be here at the same time, and and do something that, with it. That's really how I experienced the whole game. Darnell would play Grand, my brother would play Grand Theft Auto, and he would put in the work where he he was all about the narrative and seeing what would happen next and he would push through whereas I was the guy who would just boot the game up go outside my the first area and then start taking cars and racing them or <laughs> try to deliver all the find all the hidden mystery packages in the game I never could focus on the actual plot I didn't even care about the plot I, I just wanted friend, to do ridiculous stuff way back in the day when GTA 3 first came out the first 3D one and I just watched him like steal cars and like stick them under a bridge just to try to like see how many cars he can like cram on top of each other and then (laughs) then have a cop chase him and then just try to like run them into like this like stack of cars like hidden under a bridge it was really silly Um, but that's the kind of stuff like you just want yeah it's like you kind of you are being creative with a game it's I mean it's not like Minecraft or anything but (laughs) it's it's interesting Makes it special, and, that, and as the more te- the greater the technology behind the game, the more absurd your goals can become. 
Now, I wouldn't say this is my sexiest track of the episode, mainly because that that saxophone comes in pretty hard, um, and and that does that the, the the drummer man on the on the ride cymbal. It's like it's just it's a heavy hitting track. But so, it, which one would you say is the most romantic track of the ones you picked? Oh, uh, my most romantic might be the first one I played. For as cheesy as it is, I mean, I'm a cheesy guy, you know, <laughs> from the heart. And in the middle one, like that's that's like the fun time, you know, that's like that's like the fun romance, right? And um, and then this one is like, you know, you're out of the club, you know, you're having fun, you're dance romance, yeah, dance romance. In the middle, it's like you're 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 playing um, the track the, the track from Feel the Magic. That's like <laughs> that, that's like you're playing you're playing games on the boardwalk, right? You're on the midway. Uh, like that's that kind of music. It's kind of silly. You're out there having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of our earliest dates, Christy and I, we went to uh, the boardwalk, and they have like this game, of, like horses that would race, and you have to roll a ball into these little holes, and if it lands in the hole, then the horse moves forward. So yeah. were you actually trying to throw the ball in to specific holes where you tend to get a specific horse to win? Yeah, so you land it into the hole, and the, and the hole is like three points, and the horse will move three places. And if you miss it, then it doesn't move. And everyone's doing it at the same time. The game has been there since I was a kid, so it's it's been like it's over It's an effective game. Yeah, yeah, really long, long time. And um, yeah, and I won a little stuffed horse. It was like one of our first dates, and um, I gave it to her. And, uh, Do you still have it? Yeah, I think she still has it. Yeah, it's in the closet somewhere. <laughs> Awesome, yeah. I was like, that's really cool. So, see, and that's why you're that's why you're the love half of this episode because you've got a lot of you got a sort of like a nice history there. Yeah, a lot of time, a lot of experiences and adventures. Definitely, I'm looking forward to having adventures again. For now, <laughs> we were well, talking about mean, that this morning. It's like, it's just, it's kind of like we can do things, we can go out to places, but it's it's kinda, we kind of miss the kind of the social aspect of things and, and being able to travel places, you know, freely. Yeah. The funny thing about it, when you really think about this, is since we're living in it at this point in time, it feels like it's taking so long and it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. But you also have to figure this is just a snippet in history. You yeah. look back on like the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. we're reading about it, and it's like, oh, from this time to this time, these things occurred. Now everything's great, you know? But when they were living it, they were probably having the same issues. Like, oh, I just want to be able to go to the smorgasbord and get decent cold cut again. <laughs> or, oh, I really just want to go back to the mines. I can't work in the mines. Why can't always, I work in the mines? <laughs> like, hey, whatever, whatever scenarios they had that were equivalent to ours, they were having these exact same discussions. You had the same sets of people who didn't want to do stuff and people who didn't want to do stuff. The same dynamic is truly history repeating, just with a different virus, which also tells me that it will also pass in due time, and yeah. we'll be out there, and this will become just like a random story. Like, man, remember 2000, 2002 or whatever? Yeah. That was a weird time in life. I'm optimistic that given enough time, we'll we'll get back to to things, you know. Well, absolutely. But but people, I'm hoping that it's changed people's perceptions about disease and you know viruses hey, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> about washing their hands and, and things in the future maybe if someone's feeling sick they'll still wear a mask you know um, I think I will you know oh I plan to I have all these cool masks around the house I'm not going to just throw them on the trash okay, right, they have go, a purpose five years from now I'm going to go out five years right okay. five years you and I go to MAGFest I'm still going to wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> actually that's not a bad thought 
And I had my rhythm and pixels face mask still, yeah. so all the better. Yeah, yeah. I will wear gloves too. And I think I think gloves are important. Well, I don't know about gloves. I need that tactile feel when I'm beating beating butts at video games. I need to be able to know what I'm doing. I'll just carry you just have hand sanitizer when you're done. It's like split splash. Right. My hands are taking a bath. <laughs> sitting in this crazy arcade. I know. That's, that's the thing. I was I spent, a lot of time, I spent a lot of time in that arcade last January, touching every button I found. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> conflict, baby. That's yeah, that's that. That's conflict. <laughs> all right, had all your shoes for the dance game. All right, let's let's bring it back home into the part of the show called the bonus round. Bonus round. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. We'll have a little divide, we'll split, little, little, little gin rummy. Little duality of the bonus round. The bonus rounds where we play covers and remixes on our theme. And our theme is love and malice. Goes together like a horse and chalice. <laughs> oh, there it is. There you go. Um so Pranal, what you got? Well, for some reason I've been on a huge cave story kick as and I want to revisit the game and play through it again. It's been cave a story. long time. Yes. Oh. I've Catery was my jam. Most particularly, aside from the narrative itself, the last dungeon and final battle of the game are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal end caps to a product that's already solid. Um, of course, a lot of people have never saw those things because you have to do very specific things to get there. But this track I came across, and this is a, a artist that I think I'm going to be following from this point on because he's legit. Mm. Um the track is titled Cave Story Last Battle Metal Cover and is composed by Richard E.B.
<laughs> this was that was the Cave Story Last Battle metal cover composed by Richard E. B. So this is so the last battle in the game is against someone by the name of Balos, B-A-L-L-O-S. It is probably, in my entire gaming history, one of the most fun and also most difficult, difficultly frantic. That's mm. not even a word. <laughs> difficult and frantic and battles yeah, I've yeah. ever engaged in. And this track does such a good job of capturing that feeling that the original doesn't quite even do. Like, it does, but this just amps it right up to where it needs to be. Wow, um, this is that is a heavy this is a heavy heavy cover. If you like this, check he's got a uh, Patreon page. I'll have that linked on our website. Um, is because saying the guy's name is not super helpful, but it is um, Richard E B R I C H A A D E B. Um, so patreon.com slash Richard E B. Um, and he and you can get his music getting high quality and early access to his music videos and go to his YouTube page. And there's tons and tons and tons of music. Um, really cool he, stuff. He has officially got a follower in me. I can tell you right now, because this is, I listened to a couple tracks that he did before settling on this one. And even the ones where people were like, Oh man, this was your early crappy work. Even those were good. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Like I tell you, man, I've come to learn that there's some people can be real sticklers when it comes to like music critiquing, which isn't definitely a bad thing. Mm. I think just people have different, like their ears pick up different stuff, you know. So I hear people, I, I hear like this is a really good track. I'm bopping to it, and I go to read the comments. It's like we're an abomination. I don't understand why anyone would like this. I'm like, what, 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 what? Yeah. What are you telling me? Are you say something wrong with my ears? Throw nah. my ears. People think but, like uh, what they believe is what everyone else should believe. But here we go. This is the other side of this cave story banger. This is. I swear, if you came up with a cave story, something else that'd be hilarious. Really no, no, no. This is from Streets of Rage. This is the uh, the good ending, I believe it's called, or the epilogue to Streets of Rage One. Um, mm -hmm. The track is called "My Little Baby," the smooth jazz remix by Magic Music. X. Mm, I like that name too.
Give me some sweet little Charlie Ranches. I like the candy so much. Got the apple and the cherry and the cinnamon five. Cause it burns so hot in my mouth when I'm eating that sweet, sweet candy treat. Ooh, yeah, that's what I need. Sweet, sweet candy treat. This was My Little Baby Smooth Jazz Remix from Streets of Rage composed by Yuzo Koshiro and arranged by Magic Music X In my mind it's going to always be Magic Music Magic Oh my god With a Purnell aka Marvin Gaye on the vocals (laughs) in the middle of that one I might I might save that audio just for me for maybe <laughs> maybe that'll be a Patreon exclusive. I'll just I'll just put I'll dub your vocals on top of this track. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why. Like the music was playing and my brain just said, That's the kind of voice that would technically sing over that. <laughs> I can't vouch for the words though. No, but, but, eh, but, uh, special. but I want to thank uh Frankly Zappa for sending uh this to us over email. Um that was really Wait, but he sent this for the anxiety episode? I don't think it was for the I think it was just like a here's a track suggestion. Oh, okay. In general, but it came at the same time. So I picked it's it up. Really? I, I didn't listen long. to the song yet and I put it on our list for the um, like the, for the frantic anxiety epi- uh, songs and I listened to it and I'm like, "Wait a minute, this ain't right." <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say though, I'm glad it got picked because I do get played because it's really good. Yeah, it's really really good. So, uh for more information on the bonus round, uh, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to both of these artists' bios, um, SoundClouds, Bandcamps, YouTubes, everywhere where you can go and listen and uh, buy this music and support these artists. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 26-7 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our Valentine's special or anti-Valentine's special. You you just on which side you? It's your call. We did both. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is the flan, the love freak of the episode. Mm-hmm. Pernell is the laharl, angry overlord, who also is not a bad guy. Not a bad guy. I think I think ultimately, you know, after five years of the of the podcast, we've we've discovered that you're not you're not terrible. I'm not terrible. I, I got my moments. I got my moments. Sometimes I'll take the jelly bean that you most wanted and then don't tell you I ate it and leave you the body burts. But, you know, for the most part, I'm all right. I'm all right. Just watch your jelly beans is what you're saying. Yeah, you, yeah, you better watch your jelly beans because I want some. Anything gummy gummy related is Purnell's domain. <laughs> I say that as I'm literally eating jelly are you eating, beans. Over. Are you eating jelly beans? I have some, like, I have some actual, like, jelly belly beans. Oh, my God. Um, it's been my thing lately. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would say January was the month of guests. We had a guest every week, and mm-hmm. um, this might be the month of maybe revisiting some of our favorite topics over the past few years. What do you think about that? I can see that being pretty cool. It, it would break a stride. It would break a stride, but let's be real. It's been five years. Yeah, I think yeah. we can intentionally do some repeat topics yeah. that we so desire. We do still have a list of some interesting ones, but if you, the listener, have a topic suggestion, if there's a topic that you want us to explore, now, let's be real. It doesn't It doesn't have to be like, you know, the beat-em-ups from Capcom, or, you know, <laughs> it's not... We the, still got to do doorknobs. It just hit me. <laughs> doorknobs, yeah. It could be, it could be anything, we'll, we'll, and we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to, how to, how to DJ that selection 
of music for whatever the heck it is. So if you have a topic suggestion or even a track suggestion or, or, or just a hello, send us an email to our email address. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for more information about this show as a whole and a full track listing from this episode and access to all of our episodes, because I think the first hundred or so aren't going to be available through like Spotify or Apple, but you can go to our website. Rhythmandpixels.com. And you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. And that's... It sounds like you'd have to type in the, the words all one word, but I'm trying to say you, you, it's rhythm and pixels without the spaces. Um, Funny enough, actually, somebody actually, actually, no, it was Austin in Dwelling in Duels. He referenced one of our old episodes a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Episode 1-9, Shopping. Wow. I was like, holy cow, I remember that was a great episode. I missed Shopping. We recorded that. Oh, I remember I remember the, um, uh, the, the artwork because we were still in my old condo back, back in the city. We and, were holding bags. Yeah. I was like, what should the picture be, Pranat? And you were like, I got bags. And we were, <laughs> we were standing in front of uh, the TV, and Christy was watching Gilmore Girls. <laughs> or we were, we were, and, uh, and I was like, so it's a, vid- it's a picture of you and me holding shopping bags in front of the Gilmore Girls. Uh, Perfect. I feel like, I, I feel like our, the, the episode artworks has, has changed a little bit since then. <laughs> That is true, but at the same time, you can't knock the classics. No, There's something to be said about someone like that one you did with the verses, where it was like the Dreamcast. It was like verses and the giant controller. Oh, yeah. Like well, that, that was, was a great. That one. was like the second episode, and that just wasn't a giant controller. That was like a legit. Like that's what that was my joystick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, also uh, go to YouTube.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels. There we have um, all of our episodes are uploaded there, and we have a radio stream twenty four seven playing eight bit and sixteen bit classics. And deep cuts, a lot of deep cuts on that station. But there's a lot of st- everything from the Commodore 64 to the PC 98 to the Super Nintendo. Like you'll hear weird Japanese titles you've never heard of before, and you're also going to hear like you know Legend of Zelda. It's all gonna it's all gonna be there. So um, so check that out. It just plays all day long until the laptop dies. It's going to go until the wheel until the wheels fall off. As they the said. funny part is, if it actually does die, I can know on my luck. I'm like, hey, I have my laptop. If I haven't done anything with it yet, <laughs> take it. Continue the legacy. No, man, that thing's too nice. Um, uh, anyway, um, and also, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. Um, and there you get access to, at any level, you get access to um, a weekly prequel episode and a monthly live streamed recorded episode where you can kind of hang out with me and Pranel as we recorded uh, an episode just for you. Um, well, it's just, it's just for it's for the show, but we record it in front of you, only you, and we look We're at We're hanging you, out! And we name you by name, and um, and then we sing your praises. But that's what we do. Um, I'm getting tired and just talking funny now. Um, but we also, you need some jelly beans. I need, I, need, I need a massive amount of jelly beans. Now, we also like to thank our Patreon members at the end of the episode. Um, I'm going to do this uh, just a little different. I'm actually going to say... The different the different membership levels on Patreon. I gave them names. So at mm-hmm. Ultimate Redbook Audio level is Frankly Zappa. At the Super C sixty four MOS sixty five eighty one SID chip level is Mike Myers. And then at the Dope FM Synthesis YM twenty six twelve level is that Nick Walker, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, Matt's Holmkvist, Michael Jennings, Davy Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Sonic Medley. Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Zelkova, 
Andreas Mailberg, Dan Loughton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version VGM podcast. I know there hasn't been like a new episode in like a year or so, but you should well, go. We keep and, hoping. Yeah, I keep hoping. Go back and listen to his old episodes. Even his last two or three, which he did um, with the Dyad, are fantastic. It's a great show. Um, he's a good host. And I concur. And Brian Pitt. So thank you to all of these lovely, lovely people. It is thanks to you that me and Pranel are still talking in your ears. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. It genuinely does help a lot. It helps it helps a lot. It helps pay for storage, helps pay for the website, helps pay for all of all of the work that me and Pranel put into the show and the additional music and it's everything that we're doing here. It really helps to see your names that it, it, it's supportive. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we haven't picked a topic for next week, so it's going to be exciting. Um, Rolling them bones. So that's going to come out. Hold on. Yeah, so the next episode's going to be uh, coming out actually on my birthday. That's interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well timed. Yeah. I am so, much older. <laughs> so in this case, you know, I'll just say happy birthday, Rob, because when this episode releases, it'll actually be your birthday. So that's happy right. birthday, Rob. Yeah, thank you. All right. To uh, the future. All right, so um, I think that's all I've got. And um, Pernell, you've got some other shows in the works, right? Yes, sir. Um, I am effectively doing three podcasts now. I do Rhythm and Pixels. I do the SML podcast, which, well, let me rephrase this, start over. I do the Rhythm and Pixels, which, as you already know, is Rob and I hanging out, talking music in wacky hijinks. Uh, I do the SML podcast, which is me hanging out with some friends, including Joe, Cole, and Chris, and Tim, where we talk, play games, or review games, and have wacky hijinks. And then the last new one that I've been on is Indie Guide In, which is sort of a roundtable video game book club where every two weeks we play a new game that's chosen by a member of the panel, and then we discuss our experiences with the game. And we talk about crazy hijinks, uh, because... You can't have a show that I'm on and not have hijinks. It just doesn't make sense. It sounds um, like you said you talk about the crazy hijinks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> living, the, living the magic. And I also feel like I'm going to start trying to get back into writing for Hey Poor Player again. I realized when I did my compilation, like, how many games have you reviewed over the course of the last couple of years? I realized that I haven't written in a while and I miss it. Though the main reason why I stopped writing is because I get so many reviews for the other show that all the time goes in the vet and since i'm doing it as a podcast it's easier to get the reviews out because i'm a stickler for what i write yeah. one fact about that my old boss read one of my reviews because i just needed somebody to critique it that wasn't in the hobby and she thought i had like a, a secret professional writer background she's like you wrote this i was like yeah she's like you wrote this it's like yes she's like this is really good i'm like well, crap um, now I have to maintain this momentum. I well, can't not write like it's this. It's like, I know you're, re- you're reviewing a whole bunch of games, but you can't be like, oh, go here, and this is where I reviewed this game. It's like, no, it's within like this two-hour podcast, like somewhere in the middle, you know. So, But if there's a website of you like writing articles and stuff, I'm excited about that. So, Well, I can say this. Um, Joe recently, or not so recently, but he's been on YouTube, he's been doing timestamps now. So... As far as like when a game, like a review comes oh, up, it's good. like Pernell reviewed this game and that game. If you want to hear the review, 
you can just click on the timestamp, bam, goes right to it. Good. Um, I think I started, so that, that, I started that trend for now. <laughs> yeah, you did. In fact, yes, you did. Because I want to say that I suggested it to him after you started doing it. I was like, that would help as far as like the long episodes go. Yeah. You get nice timestamps. But give the show a listen. Let us know what you think because the feedback is appreciated on all the shows because people create stuff for fun, yes. But at the same time, people would like to hear what people others think of what they're creating. It's just a, it's a reaffirming, yeah. so to speak. So and this is all, all would I'm be appreciated. Now. This is all I do. I do this. <laughs> He's like, you're <laughs> living life. I do this and I'm on Twitch sometimes. Twitch TV slash Rabumon. But there's something to be said about that, right? It's just, it's hard to explain in a lot of words. It's just, it just feels fun. And I acknowledge it. I say this knowing and admitting that I'm not the guy that edits it every week. <laughs> but at this, but it's just, it's just something, there's like a level of fun to it. Even if you're like, man, it's Thursday and I'm tired. I just want to go to bed, but we got to record. When you do the record, you're like, this was fun. This was worth my time. I, I enjoy this. Like it's. It's reinvigorating. This is the Pernell pick me up, you know, and this is for me. This is like this is my my bedtime routine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired, but I'm not too tired. <laughs> but I will be at the end of this episode. Oh, uh, uh, that happened like last week on the on the Patreon live stream. Where it's at the end of it or something. You're like, oh, Rob, what are you gonna be up to tonight? I said, I'm going to bed, and everyone just like laughed. I was like, it is now a quote. It is a Robumon quote. I'm like, I'm doing. So. I'm going to bed. They're like, I'm going to go <laughs> eat a corn dog and play some video games. All right, I'm going to uh, play Cult Simulator. <laughs> anyway, so stay tuned for next week's episode 26-8. Until then, my name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a good, have a good week. Have a have a good time. Have a safe week. Have a good time uh, and remember. Hey, if you get love is a precious, beautiful thing. And if you happen to be the type of person who is currently engaged in that or experiencing the beginnings of it, cherish the living daylights out of it. It's worth your time and it is worth being happy about. It's not always forever, but if it's not forever, be happy for the time you get with it. If you don't have love in your life just yet, but you're seeking it out, it could happen. It could come along. Just keep trying. It's not guaranteed, but that doesn't mean it's not possible either. It's just something that you kind of hope for and put effort into getting, and maybe you'll luck into it. And in the event that you just flat out don't have it and you ain't getting it, well, love doesn't stop at a at a, at a at romance and you know all the amore and whatnot. Love is connections, right? Love is what we find in people that we associate with, that we feel strong bonds with. And quite frankly, sometimes it just becomes a matter of actually thinking about it and acknowledging that you have those bonds. But when we're trapped in a world where we're told that love is a specific thing, it is very easy to lose track and lose acknowledgement of the fact that love comes in many forms. So sometimes it's worth just taking a step back and going, hey, what do you know? I do feel love. And sometimes that's just enough. That's just what you need. So we're all at different phases of the whole concept. Just ride it. Do what you do. I'm rambling. I like Have a the, good I, night. I, I like this optimism, though. You know, It's a struggle sometimes. But, it. you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, what did I say to a friend recently? Oh, 
life is life is a challenging life life is a challenging thing it is not easy don't let anybody tell you otherwise which all the real world reason to say that even getting through an individual day is an accomplishment worth acknowledging and celebrating don't dismiss it as being just that mm. thing people do because not everybody gets to do that 